Okay. Um, okay, Emily, thank you very much for coming on to do the podcast with me. Um, no I was saying to you there that uh, I, I know you pretty much exclusively from following you through Instagram, but uh, you definitely put up like the the best um, like female centric information uh, that I've seen because there can be a lot of uh, say other types of like content being put up on Instagram. Yes. Um, we'll get into to chatting about all that, but I suppose the first thing mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you about was how you got started training in the gym yourself. Yeah. So I think a bit of a difference. Well, I always found what was a little bit different about me was that I actually started in quite a bad position. Like I didn't start the gym from a healthy body weight per se. I had always struggled with my weight when since I was a child. Like honestly, it was a struggle since probably the age of 12, like around that age. Yeah. So I think I done a lot of weight cycling. So that was something that was an issue as in I might drop a lot of weight and then gain it all back. Right. And this is from the age of sort of 14, 15. So kind of that very young age where you shouldn't even be thinking about weight or yeah. it should come into your mind. It should be just like you're having fun, you're playing sports. But I suppose I never played sports. So maybe that contributed a little bit to it. I just wasn't comfortable playing sports. So that was kind of the difference I found when I did do a lot of weight cycling through sort of, I found bad information basically. Like I took information from God knows where and was doing things like juicing when I was 15. And yeah, I know it's when I think back, I never think of how bad actually was, but yeah, I'd be doing things like juicing at 15 and then I would lose a lot of weight and then obviously not have a clue. Like I didn't have a clue about calories. I didn't know what healthy food was at this stage. So um, then it got to a point where I kind of, I did get into such bad habits that it made me sort of realize, okay, oh God, this is bad. You know, I had really got, I had a poor relationship with food and I was only 16 and it wasn't, it wasn't good. So I think at that stage I decided, okay, I'm going to give it up. I'm going to give up all this crap. And I did gain a lot of weight because I'd given up the weight cycling. So I was just yeah. consuming calories and I did gain a lot of weight. And I think at that point it was becoming noticeable to my family that, okay, like this isn't right. And <laughs> he's going up and down and up and down. Like, so my dad actually signed me up for a gym class boot camp type thing. It was nice 6 a.m. Yeah, 6 a.m., three mornings a week. I Jeez. think I was 16. Yeah, probably 16. And yeah, that was just it. Like I went, there was, I suppose I was uncomfortable. Like I was probably the youngest in the class, but yet the worst in the worst shape. And that was embarrassing. (laughs) So I done that for a couple of months and there I was lucky that the woman who was running that class was quite sensible. Like I was just lucky that it wasn't the run of the mill trainer who didn't really have any information about nutrition. She asked, I remember gave us all I probably still have the folder she gave us all like folders with recipes and like say under 200 calorie snack ideas and stuff like that and I'm pretty sure I just followed that religiously for about a year and I probably lost about 20 kilos like I probably went from 80 kilos down to maybe 60 from this was transition year maybe into fifth year and that was it like from that point it was kind of 
that was go. <laughs> there's there's been no stop since then. I bet she was looking for some before and after photos from you. I actually, do you know what? She wasn't. And I think it was mad because she kind of, she wasn't very hands-on or anything, but she gave us the folders and it was just enough to give you the basic information where like up until that point, I didn't even know what a calorie was. It was more like a juice diet or this diet or that diet. It wasn't like calories in, calories Yeah, different methods, but not knowing how it works. Yeah, I think it was just enough to make me realize, oh, right, okay, so a slice of bread with a bit of turkey is under 100 calories. Okay, right, I can I can have that because it's under 100 calories. Whereas before, and it wasn't perfect by no means, but it was so much better than what I had been exposed to that it was kind of the catalyst, I suppose. Okay, and then, um, so are you still doing the, the same type of training that you would have started off with then? Or it looks like it's more kind of weights focused now. Yeah, so I... It was it was a your typical gym class. It was a mix between kind of weights and cardio mixed in together. Yeah. And I did at one point after that class ended hire a personal trainer, and he probably taught me more about just the more weight sides of things. So I kind of was gradually getting more and more exposed to the weight room as opposed to just the gym classes. And it was a lot of years going into that room by myself and sort of testing things out and following kind of randomish programs, getting programs from gym instructors. And it was a lot of years of doing that. But I suppose you do just build and build and build. And, you know, about college, sixth year, that type of time, I did kind of have a good idea of what I was doing. Now, looking back, I think okay, maybe I didn't know what I was doing. But again, it was just gradual improvements, small improvements up until the point where now I solely just focus really on weight training and just do cardio for health purposes, not really as a form of enjoyment. (laughs) I'd be right with you there. Um, Yeah, you not have to tick the box. Yeah. And uh, so I'm guessing then that kind of experience of the big change that you had in your your body and your confidence was that one of the main things that made you want to become a personal trainer yeah I would say so I think before that point I hadn't I had no idea what I wanted to do and I think I did feel a bit outside and not at ease in terms of in school and in outside activities and stuff because everyone had a sport and like this is if I'm when I'm still in sixth year I suppose you know like everyone had a sport whether it be Gaelic or someone everyone was doing something yeah and I wasn't so I suppose when I found the gym I sort of realized okay actually this can be your sport you know you can actually do this as your thing and I think once I sort of made that association I was kind of like okay this is my thing now (laughs) and I just made it my thing I was like okay I'm gonna go and do this in college now because I want this to be my thing (laughs) yeah I was the exact same. I had no interest in sports growing up. And mm-hmm. as far as I was concerned, was terrible at all of them because anything that involved yeah. the ball, I just would hit it the opposite direction or miss it all together. Yeah. Um, and so I was really lucky that I got exposed to it in school. We had a, a gym there and a really good coach who showed us what to do. Um, yeah. That was- yeah. Um, okay. That's yeah, really interesting because um, that's very similar to like the experience that I had with us. Um, and so you decided you're going to be a personal trainer and then you said you went to college. You're doing a degree at the moment, are you? Yeah, I'm going into final year. 
So I didn't actually think about personal training until I was already in college. I just decided in sixth year that I was going to do sports science and health. So it was, I decided to do that first. And then as soon as I got in there, I was working like in a cafe kind of thing. And as soon as I got into the degree and realized how much I actually liked learning about this stuff, like I realized that I could spend literally hours and hours a day not even noticing the time pass doing research or reading stuff or even studying like people in college thought I was crazy because everyone's kind of complaining like oh god we have to do this and that and I was like it's grand (laughs) like it's easy fun type thing so I think when I realized that during college I was like okay actually yeah I should probably go and get a personal training qualification so I can do this as a job because I can notice the time literally not past doing this stuff. So I knew that it'd be something that I'd like doing. Yeah, I'm the exact same. Yeah. So the the one of the main things I wanted to chat to you about was some of the 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 myths and the misconceptions around strength training for women. Um mm. did you encounter that a lot when you started? You know, you hear a lot of things like, you know, if you do lifting heavy weights as a woman you're going to get too bulky or the idea that women need to do like completely different exercises or programs to men yeah I suppose I did I got it more and I think most people will be exposed to this but from even from family people kind of saying maybe not so much the bulky side of things but even like oh god you know yeah don't lift too heavy because you're back or you know even oh yeah yeah even certain physios and stuff might say, I remember I went to physio in sixth year because my back, my lower back was sore and he, you know, I was doing squats and stuff and he, he was saying, you know, how much weight would you be squatting? And at that point I'd be squatting 40 kilos and he was kind of taken aback. Oh my God, you're squatting 40 kilos. You know, maybe that's too much <laughs> type thing. Yeah. So a little bit of that, a little bit of that fear. And then I suppose not so much kind of the bulky side of things, but more so following how other females were training on social media like I one stage I was following probably every fitness influencer in in the world (laughs) probably all of my following list yeah exactly and kind of following what they're doing not quite understanding the fact that maybe it's just that they had predisposed genetics that made them look like that or maybe they were showing one thing and doing another, yeah. but not quite understanding that lifting heavy is what led to that physique. It's not actually the 20 to 30 rep range that leads to that physique. So I think it's not so much even a misconception. It is a misconception, but I think it's not even known that it's a misconception. I think people just yeah. follow what they see. And it's lucky that these days, oh, sorry, Siri popped up. <laughs> it's sure. lucky that sure. these days, um, there is more good information. And there's definitely yeah. a lot of emails that promote the right thing on Instagram. But I think when you get into your little echo chamber, I think that's what it's called. I start to think sometimes that it's all good information. Yeah. But then maybe you dive into the explore page or a lot of my clients send me TikToks because I'm not on TikTok. And they'll send me them. And yeah. I'm like, oh, my God, I can't believe that's still out there. Like, I thought that would have been dead and gone years ago. So I suppose kind of keeping up to date with the misconceptions is is hard yeah i definitely agree that uh you know you can create an echo chamber for yourself on instagram because you know i I don't want to follow people that are putting up stupid information because it's just annoying to Mm -hmm. look at and it's not interesting so (laughs) yeah a lot of the people that i do follow on instagram tend to have fairly similar opinions to me 
And then you could be having dinner with family and a relative will say something to you where you're just like, you know, do you, you actually believe that like, you know, lifting weights is going to make your back snap in half or you're going to get like arthritis or that, you know, if you're a woman, your shoulders are going to all of a sudden look like a pro bodybuilder or something. And yeah, you can easily forget that that's what probably like the average person's perception is of strength training. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's why it's important even to, I know like with the online coaching and stuff, you do get exposed to clients, but even in that sense, you do get exposed to clients, I suppose, that maybe do have more knowledge than the average population. So I think it's also important to, that's why, even though my online stuff is going really well at the moment and with COVID, it, it kind of increased, I knew I wanted to go back to some form of in-person coaching because that's really where you see, you get to see these things in person. You get to see, okay, actually everyone does have different opinions and there are still some dodgy opinions out there that it's not their fault. It's just that that's what they're being fed. So it's nice to still be exposed to that somewhat. So you can kind of think in your head, okay, what do I need to, what do I need to bash here? Sure. I saw a post today. Uh, a science post uh, claiming that wearing sunglasses makes you fat. I seen that Lane Norton um, was kind of <laughs> pulling he, it apart. He loves going on a big myth-busting rant. Yeah, um, yeah. So I would imagine, uh, you know, especially like once you've gotten past big hurdles like that, with, is, is it mostly female clients that you coach or is it a mix? Mostly, but actually recently, I think to my surprise, I've had interest from male clients, even with some of like the body image work stuff. Okay. And that's been great actually to see that males do kind of relate to it as well. It's not yeah. just female, from, especially I think with COVID, because um, a lot of males maybe have fallen into a little bit more of those unhealthy habits during lockdown and maybe have started to have some issues around food and with their body so lately it's been still more towards females but I have no problems training males either (laughs) yeah um so yeah that's interesting because I wanted to talk about the the body image thing and we could probably touch on maybe the effects it has with men as well but for women I've Mm -hmm. noticed that you know once you get somebody past like the the early beginner stage with strength training and they stop making like those easy gains uh Mm -hmm. most of the time they're gonna have to start gaining a little bit of muscle if they're gonna like keep getting stronger Um, yeah and i found myself that can be a very hard conversation and thing to sell female clients on because there's a fear that they're going to like blow it up or or put on loads of fat and they're not going to like what they see and we like we know that if you gain muscle, you do also gain some fat, but it's it's a matter of you know uh, putting across the idea that if you do it, you know correctly, not like increasing your calories by eating pizza and ice cream and you train properly, that it's unlikely that's going to happen. But what's been mm-hmm. your experience with that, and and how have you uh, tried to navigate that with people who are kind of really averse to putting on weight? Yeah, well, I think. It was important. I think the main thing that helped me was actually doing it myself Mm -hmm. because I had been training for so long. And although I had tried to go into a bit more of a gaining phase or an improvement season, whatever you want to call it, I had tried. I had never really been too successful. Chicken eggs. Yeah, I push, I would push 
calories up to a certain extent, but yeah. then I'd, I'd struggle. I always used to struggle maybe going over the 2000 mark. Like right. I would get up to 2000. I think surely this is enough. Like yeah. this is, this is enough. This just is definitely the number. Yeah, just because the number, I think, okay, it can't be eaten any more than 2,000. That's enough. And I think even stupid things like the recommended daily calories for women and men in Ireland, like I think it's 2,000 for women and 2,500 for men. Like yeah. it's just something that's in your head. And so I'd always get to that point and then I just sort of, oh, okay, I can't, can't do any more. And then maybe even you might know it was the slightest bit of fat gain and you just say, okay, I'm going to do a mini cut <laughs> or like yeah. I'm going to go to diet and it was never enough time I think in one sense the the lockdown was helpful for me because I had committed before the lockdown to doing an improvement season and I knew the only way that I would push through it would be to hire someone else to help push me through it so I knew I couldn't push through it by myself so hiring someone else hiring a coach to push me further than I wanted to go was helpful and I think once I'd gone through that and was able to show other people, I suppose, that, look, I was eating almost 3000 calories a day and I didn't look like my family. Nobody noticed that I gained weight. Nobody. It was only me. So there was absolutely no person who said, God, you're looking a bit bigger. <laughs> or Have you gained muscle? Have you gained size? Like yeah. it was noticeable to anybody else apart from me. It was just that. OK, so I didn't you couldn't see my upper abs anymore they were you know they were gone but apart from that I physically looked a similar size and yes my glutes filled out and that was great that's what we wanted but not even to the extent that someone else would notice and I suppose that just shows you how slow and how much work actually has to go in that you can do all that work and not see massive transformations so Mm -hmm. I think it's kind of helpful for people to know that yeah okay you might gain weight but it might only be like a couple of kilos like no one else is going to notice that apart from you yeah I think people who've never tried to gain weight before deliberately and obviously in a way that's with nutritious foods they really underestimate how difficult it is because now I'm speaking from like a a point of privilege and that I've never had like really bad um like issues with trying to manage my weight or anything like that but I've always found it much easier to try to lose weight because you get like cravings and stuff like that. But there can be like some ways around that if you eat foods that are kind of filling and, um, you know, time your meals properly. But when you're trying to gain weight, like there's probably going to be at least one meal in the day where you have to like force feed yourself past the point of what's actually nice a little bit, you know? Yeah. Um, And I think that might be the slight difference because I had been overweight and although it's years ago it definitely leaves a psychological mark yeah and it's almost that if I gain any weight I'm going to look the same way I looked then you know if I gain even a kilo then I'm on the path back to where I was and that's just not the case like even I got up to close close not not exactly but about five kilos off where I was when I was really overweight and if you took two pictures and put them beside each other, like it's it's incomparable. It's not the yeah. same. But I think for anyone who has had issues managing their weight, it's much harder to convince them to up their calories. Because I have had clients before who were, you know, very naturally slim and actually have come to me saying, I can't 
I can't grow my glutes. I, you know, I look, I'm too thin. I want to gain weight. And for them, it's not really that much of an issue. You just have to kind of encourage and educate that. Okay. For you, you know, you're going to have to push your calories up. You're going to have to start resistance training and, you know, they gain a couple of kilos. They look fantastic and they're happy. But for other people, it's not as easy. So I think you have to kind of consider who the client is and maybe what they've gone through in the past and then be a little bit more compassionate towards a client who maybe has struggled with their weight because weight is more of a emotional issue for them, I suppose, than someone who has never struggled with it. Yeah, there's, um, I mean, there seems to be so much of a, a twisted relationship that people have with their their body image now especially given that i think that if you're spending a lot of time on social media you start to believe that the average of uh you know what somebody looks like with their top off or whatever is really really uh different to to what real life looks like because you could be looking at a photo that's been taken at the perfect angle with the perfect lighting and i'm even seeing ads Mm. pop up now uh, not just for women, but for men, like Photoshop apps that will like basically spray paint fairly realistic looking abs onto your Tinder photos and stuff like that. Gosh, yeah, no, I was literally just listening to Eric Helms before I came on this. And he was talking yeah. about how if you think about Instagram models and um, like that's a job nowadays, Instagram models. Yeah. And how they're getting paid maybe hundreds of thousands of dollars for a post like the financial incentive to maybe do things that the average person wouldn't do to get a certain physique is is there so like when you're seeing and then instagram's algorithm wants to see abs they want to see shredded physiques that like the incentive is there for them and then the algorithm is there to push it so that's what's being pushed and obviously there is natural athletes and natural men and women who compete and stuff who still have amazing physiques but and they get pushed as well but it's the fact that even you might not think that your average influencer it has done anything like that but the the incentive is there so you kind of have to take everyone's physique with a pinch of salt yeah and as you say like you know people forget that they're looking at somebody whose job might be to look that way and they Mm. don't realize what's involved there's a great um chart i don't know if you've seen it before the precision nutrition cell it's up in in my gym actually and uh it's basically a body fat chart and i think it has like maybe four or five different tiers of body fat and starting from like obese all the way down to like five percent but the cool thing about it is that at each body fat level it has pros and cons um yeah so it shows you the trade-offs for what life is going to be like for most people trying to maintain that body fat percentage so like when you're Mm -hmm. asked say 20 percent for uh or let's say 15 percent for a man and 20 percent for a woman you know the pros are that like you know you're kind of almost perfect in terms of like the different like health markers um you know you might not be able to get a takeaway multiple times a week and go on the lash binge drinking multiple times a week but you can enjoy dessert and a few drinks every now and then and um you'll be able to like get stronger in your training but then when it starts getting down to like the almost like contest day level that like a bodybuilder would have like the trade-offs are like uh may have trouble socializing 
in any uh, situations that involve drink or food, um, may struggle to relate to other people, um, may even have issues with like sex drive or hormonal issues, issues with yeah. like the menstrual cycle for women. And most people mm-hmm. just don't seem to realize that like when you're looking at a photo of someone who's absolutely shredded, if you realize what it would take for you to get down to that level and stay there year round, you'd probably say there's no fucking way I'm doing that. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Yeah, people definitely don't consider that and it's it is because it's so glamorous I suppose to see the pictures everyone you can see it I can see it straight away. Like I have such a small following on Instagram, but I can literally see it straight away if it's a picture anything with a little bit of skin showing the likes, likes could be doubled. Doubles, like it's doubles, it's what people, yeah, it's what people want to see. Like that's just it. It's what I yeah. I don't really understand it, but I suppose. And even I was thinking, like for me, I kind of understand where my body image issues came from. Like I was severely overweight as a child. Like obviously, that's going to leave you with some psychological body image quite clearly, yeah. because you can still think you look a certain way when you don't, because you're so your brain is thinking is thinking about then but I have friends who have never had an issue with their weight have never been overweight have actually always been almost you know very slim their whole lives like people that I've known for years and years and years through secondary school and through all that time and they have body image issues because in comparison to their favorite fitness influencer maybe their body isn't so you know naturally slim but it is but it's just in that comparison it's like how can these people have body image issues when you know their body to anyone else might be completely something that somebody else would want but I suppose that's just the problem with Instagram yeah I probably have it to a certain extent as well because sometimes people will say to me like oh you know you're looking really big and stuff like that and I'm comparing myself to people who are like winning powerlifting competitions and I'm like no I look I look pretty normal but you know like you forget that to the average person having like you know even just like a a kilo or two extra of muscle and visible abs is kind of like you're doing pretty well you know yeah and even with males like I know we said we might talk about that it's Mm. the fact that bodybuilding has become so normal that males who are into that kind of bodybuilding side of things have you know they have issues now too with thinking I'm not big enough I'm not big enough when they are (laughs) but it's just the fact that it's so normal to look at the top people and it's so accessible as well I think that's one of the other things that if you were looking at someone back in the day like Ronnie Coleman or whatever you can't go onto his Instagram and message him or you know he doesn't have an education platform where he does a zoom meeting every week he's so it's just on a different level but yeah. now you have the top guys who are doing meetups like they're winning bodybuilding competitions they might be top of the world in bodybuilding but like if you really want to you could probably meet meet that person or you could message them or you could ask them a question on instagram and it's becoming a lot more like kind of people thinking oh well i could do that because i have access yeah. to all of this person's training and I have like even with women and fitness influencers and stuff and celebrities they have started like I see a lot of celebrities who naturally have amazing bodies like just they've never had a problem with their weight they naturally have amazing bodies and then they go into 
resistance training and it's like wow okay you've had such a big transformation because you've already come from such a great starting point and then they start sharing what they've been doing and your average person thinks well like if she can do that from doing that workout program then I can do that but they don't realize the differences in between from A to B Mm -hmm. so I think that has kind of caused problems yeah I think people don't really have a grasp of just like how how much of an effect your genetics has on the results that you're going to get in the gym Um, yeah like I've I don't really believe in like this whole idea of uh, non-responders before or non-responders. Mm. Like I'm sure there are some people out there. I've had some people who, you know, I had to start doing deadlifts with like a, a six kilo kettlebell and their mm. legs were immediately sore. Um, yeah. And it might've taken, you know, weeks or months for them to get up to being able to lift like a, a 20 kilo kettlebell. And that is yeah. slow compared to, I, I've had guys come into the gym and on their very first day deadlifting, we're able to do like 150 kilos. Mm. And like you realize that, you know, it's not fair, but it's just the way that it is. And there's a yeah. lot of people out there who have amazing looking physiques and huge followings on Instagram because of it. And they could kind of go into the gym or play a sport or do anything that involves any kind of resistance and eat in any way. Uh, that's like halfway nutritious and they're probably going to look amazing uh yeah it's just not what the average person is is gonna have to do if they want to look even a percentage of what that person looks like yeah you can see the differences between like if you if people listening like think about their friends or their family it's quite obvious to see that one friend might look like they eat whatever they want and you know all they do is walk to work every day and yet they are whatever as a female like on the smaller end and they they're lean basically and they are lean all year no matter what they do and maybe they don't go to the gym or they don't train but they do a lot of walking and they just eat kind of normal like a normal person and yet they are they look the way they look and then you could think of another friend that maybe does try really hard, you know, tries to diet, tries to do all these different protocols, you know, goes to the gym, does all this. And yet they are struggling to lose a few kilos. And some of that could be that what they're doing maybe isn't that effective. But it's like you do have to take it into account that it's just much harder for some people than it is for others. And I think those yeah. fitness influencers and people on Instagram can often kind of say, or you know you you just need to work harder like time you don't have time to go to the gym like that's an excuse and stuff like that but they're not taking into account that like maybe they just diet with ease like some people do diet with ease some people don't have the same hunger response as other people like I even found I think from years of doing kind of fad diets and maybe having bad protocols that when I do go into a deficit in a sustainable way and in the right way I still find maybe I think, okay, I think I struggle maybe a little bit more, but it's something that I've just accepted and can say, and at least I know where it's coming from. So it's not Mm -hmm. too hard to accept, but maybe other people, you have to take that into account with clients. Like some, some people just do find it harder and they probably need the extra support and maybe a group coaching or a a program isn't going to cut it for them. (laughs) They need more. Yeah. And also like, everybody is 
yeah psychologically different genetically as well or you know also whatever way they've been been raised or their environments but the end result is that people have different psychological responses to to training and dieting and i know people who could um probably train for like a year and be far stronger than i am after 10 years of hard training but they don't like going to the gym and they're not going to do it Um, yeah and somebody with worse genetics could get stronger than them if if they put in the time but i think it's just important for people to realize that there is that difference and not to kind of be overly harsh on themselves if they don't see the same results as somebody else yeah and i think it's about the mindset like um emma story gordon on instagram she has been talking a lot lately about like resenting the habits that kind of get you into shape and even if your genetics aren't the best if you still enjoy like if you're going into the gym with the mindset of okay even maybe I'm not going to look like a pro bodybuilder in five years or in two years whatever but it doesn't matter because I'm still like going to do this because I know that I'm still getting the health benefits like I'm still gaining muscle that's going to serve me when I'm 80 and you know I'm still going to go for the walk outside because I'm not just doing steps to increase my knee you know I actually want to go outside and kind of people's mindsets around it but I suppose with everything that's gone on people's heads are filled with just okay I'm doing cardio to lose weight I'm you know training in the gym to build muscle so I can look toned and that association kind of f's them up because they always associate that with looking a certain way so when they do it and they don't look a certain way they don't want to do it anymore so I think kind of disassociating that it's like okay if you like I always think I love training like it just when I'm there I'm happy so I always think to myself like if someone told me you have to stay the exact way you are now like your body you're not allowed to change it like it's great that we can change it and that we have that option but if someone told me you can't physically change your body you can't gain any more muscle you can't lose any more fat you just have to stay the way you are I probably still do exactly the same thing that I'm doing now and I think that's a lot of people couldn't say that because they haven't taken the time to actually learn how to enjoy these things. They just have that association. Or they need to find something that they will enjoy the process of. Um, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Because I think there there's a huge amount of people that they don't like strength training and they're probably never mm-hmm. going to like it no matter what, or what way they frame it. Because yeah. again, like psychologically, that's the way their mind works. So um, yeah like the way you were saying you were exposed to all of those sports when you were younger and so was I some people love that and they latch on to it and then yeah. when that ends and they in their 20s and 30s and they don't have that sport anymore that's mm-hmm. when they can kind of like find their their fitness and their their uh, nutrition going to pass but um for the mm-hmm. people I think it's important that people get exposed to uh like the other ways of of um doing some kind of sport or activity um, yeah that's so i'm trying to remember what i was going to ask you oh the um the other thing i wanted to ask was differences in your opinion uh that maybe women should take into account um in terms of how they should approach strength training have you noticed any differences yourself like if you tried to do a program that was probably designed with men in mind and found that you mm-hmm. have to change things up, have you noticed those patterns in, in women that you've tra- trained as well? Well, I think 
um actually like women can handle more volume most of the time than men especially yeah, in low experience volume. too yeah but probably just because they're lifting less weight so the intensity is lower kind of have to think about that but in general with like the menstrual cycle and stuff there is some things you have to take into account with diet and exercise yeah but i have found and i think a lot of people hold the same opinion that the science is interesting and it's really kind of okay well if you just train if you kind of change your training to be in line with your cycle then that's the thing that's holding you back that's why you're not making progress but in actual fact it's kind of just it's different again it's kind of boring but it's different for every person some people actually don't have any effects on their menstrual cycle and some people have effects at different times so maybe the week before for some people they just find that their numbers either drop off or they can just simply maintain they literally cannot push for another rep in any exercise and I've definitely found that where I've noticed a pattern okay well okay the week before I literally whatever I do no matter how much sleep I get no matter how much food I eat no matter how how recovered I am I can't push for another rep but simply noticing it is enough like you don't have to do anything like I still train the same way I just don't get another rep (laughs) and I think notice it it can kind of stop messing with your head and the same with diet that like most of my clients have gotten to the stage now where they tell me what's going on and they can recognize the patterns because we've tracked things like one of my clients can turn around and say yeah so I'm trying to drop body fat at the moment but it's the week before and I've noticed that for the last year I gain a kg the week before consistently because they've Mm -hmm. sort of tracked it so they know so it's like I'm just going to stop weighing in this week if that's okay with you because I know that my weight's not going to drop this week mm-hmm. and I keep weighing myself like there's no point it's not going to drop yeah, and I'll, yeah I'll just not weigh myself and then next week I'll get back onto it I'll get back to weighing myself daily and it's like okay perfect it hasn't messed you up whereas the problem with most people and their menstrual cycle is, is they just don't have any idea yeah. what's going on and you wouldn't like if you didn't know if you didn't track your weight for consistently whatever length of your cycle four weeks or five weeks or six weeks you wouldn't be able to see the trends like you have to do it for a couple of months even to get to know the trends and nowadays you can get apps and stuff to tell you where you are where exactly you are and what exactly that might mean for you yeah but kind of good to like I never had any apps or anything I simply tried to get to know it myself and then kind of went okay I'm gonna see now where exactly I am and kind of just to reinforce but it's important to just track things and then figure out for yourself what happens because the science can sometimes be not wrong but the science can often be conflicting with what actually happens because the science says that you know during your follicular phase you're you should be really strong but then you see that okay well if someone's on they're not gonna feel like pushing out a crazy hard session because they just feel like shit like and they might have cramps so like okay this is a bit conflicting here so it's kind of just getting to know and then I have seen people sort of be very taking it into consideration stuff but then if someone is on contraceptive or something then it's kind of completely not applicable to them because most of the studies are done on women who aren't on so then you have to you just have to turn around and say, look, I don't know what, what's going to happen for you because you're on contraceptive. So I can't 
look and see what's going to happen for you. So you're going to have to just do what everyone else does and that's go off and track where you are. Yeah. And I suppose having literally a logbook is good enough for that. Like if you have a logbook in the gym, you can clearly see, okay, every four weeks, there's a week where I'm just really fatigued. And then you can maybe say, right, well, maybe on that week, I might just take it a little bit easy and I won't aim for progress that week. I'll just aim to maintain or I'll do two sets instead of three. And that's I think I find that normally that's enough. Like I don't yeah. find that going into more detail with people has given any greater results than that. Another reason to keep a logbook. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's so many reasons, but still, I think I'm probably one of five people in the gym who I see have one. Oh, Jesus. I don't, I don't see any as a shame. Um, yeah. But it, it's interesting. I kind of wasn't, I wasn't aware to the degree. I know that lots of women experience periods in completely different ways. Some are like in crippling mm-hmm. pain and some are completely fine. Um, mm-hmm. But I wasn't aware to the difference that it has on performance in the gym. And, you know, like you hear that, I think that's, from talking to people that do research and maybe it's a bit of a cop out, um, but you know, there's not really a huge amount of research on strength training or, or training in general with women. And that's usually one of the reasons that they give is because it's going to be too hard to control a study where you have people who are on their periods or not on their periods and experiencing entirely different symptoms. One person is feeling really weak. One person's feeling stronger or the exact same. Mm -hmm. Um, or maybe it's just a little bit of a cop base and they don't want to, to yeah. put in the time to. Yeah, I think it's kind of like a, if you know too much about it, it can kind of be a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like if yeah, you like know placebo or no SIBO. Yeah, this week I'm supposed to be weak, then you're you're gonna feel weak. But if mm. you genuinely don't know and you actually take the time to track, then you can figure it out. Like I you can genuinely say, okay, on this week I do feel this way. Yeah. And in terms of the body image stuff, that's huge. In I find that that's definitely a big thing. Like I find some weeks clients are checking in and I have like a rating on the check-in about how do you feel about your body composition? And like week two, it might be like seven out of 10. And then the week before someone's period, it might be like three. <laughs> and obviously their body hasn't changed, <laughs> but it's just that they feel yeah. so much different. So I think knowing that is probably more important than knowing about the training stuff because you can actually say, right, okay, I know that today I'm in the gym and I kind of feel like I don't look that great. But mm-hmm. actually when I take a step back, I can tell that it's just that time and it's not really objectively, I don't look any different. So I can just kind of do what I need to do to make myself feel comfortable here. And then I know that it will pass in a week. And that can be quite reassuring for people who, do take because I think people especially males sometimes no offense (laughs) can kind of think like it's um like oh you just feel different you're not you don't actually look different you just feel different but they don't take it into account that like that feeling is still real like it's not like a fake feeling like that's actually real or like when someone says you know you just feel weaker like but that's actually completely real so you can quite take them quite seriously and I think some people do have really bad symptoms even like emotionally and it it can be quite shocking that they're kind of like oh god you know I do I really feel bad this week but I think when you know okay it's okay I can kind of take a step back from whatever and and comfort myself that's fine then you can you know it can be helpful (laughs) definitely glad that I don't have to uh, experience any of this stuff personally (laughs) 
Lucky. Um, well, I think we covered pretty much everything that we'd set out yeah. to talk about there. Um, and lots of really unique information that I'd never discussed on here. So hopefully any any women who've been listening or people who work with women will have uh, had some interesting stuff to take away from us. Um, yeah. So thank you very much for coming on, Emily. Do you have, I know you have Instagram. What's your username on there if people want to find you on there? It's literally very boring, just Emily Marin, all one word. No, oh, nice. it wasn't taken. No, well, Marin is quite a weird name. I've not met yeah, I haven't many met too many Marins. No, no, so it's, that's good. So at if least. I meet another Marin in Ireland, they're probably related to you. Probably, yeah. Cool. And that, that's the main place people should go to for following you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's as much social media as I can handle. <laughs> And, uh, oh yeah, I totally agree. I wouldn't be doing TikTok or anything like that. No, no, that's, that's enough. <laughs> uh, and if they want to work with you, you do in-person and online? Yeah, so mainly online at the moment, but I do an in-person coaching uh, in group PT in Charlestown. So the online coaching would be one-to-one if you want to work one-to-one. And the link is in my bio. So you can literally just apply to there or just send me a message. Most people do like to kind of have a bit of back and forth before they send in a form. So yeah, that can be too. Understandable. All right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> thanks a million for doing this today. And uh, we might do it again sometime. Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully so. All right. Thanks for that. No problem. Talk to you next time. Bye. Bye-bye.